are going to start uh, our Advent series today. And the title of this series is called A Journey to Christmas. Now, Advent usually starts, or Advent usually, Advent starts four Sundays out from Christmas. Now, since we love Christmas so much here at Vineyard Community Church, we're starting our Advent series earlier, like mid-November. The Christmas season. Mm. One of the many facets of Christmas is the giving of gifts. And in the story of Jesus, most people, believers, followers of Jesus, and not, know of the three wise men, right? They brought these gifts to the newborn king. They're also known as the magi. And these guys were scholars, religious scholars, astronomers, astrologers, philosophers. They, they were the wise men, and they were from Babylon. And they had known that in the Holy Scriptures, there was this writing about this Messiah who was to come, this Savior to the world. And when he arrives, there will be a star. A star will just appear in the sky, and they noticed this star. So knowing the Scriptures and knowing these readings that, they, that they've been reading about, they packed up their stuff and they went. And the story says there's three of them, but I think it was a caravan. You know, and, 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 but three of them had the gifts. And, and here's how it goes in Matthew chapter 2. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now at this time, too, Jesus was about two years old. So he wasn't quite an infant anymore. He was a toddler. But in the biblical sense... In the biblical context, the Christmas tradition of giving gifts, we could say, originated with the gifts that the Magi, that the wise men, brought this newborn king. And when it comes to Christmas gifts, I think we could all agree that three things take place when it comes to gifts. We give gifts, we receive gifts, and we exchange gifts, right? Like, I'm not talking about the office party, the white elephant parties. I'm talking about the socks and the underwear and the, the things that you got that you're like... And so we take them back to the store and exchange them for what? Something better. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. Today, we're going to look at the great gift exchange program that the moment we invite Jesus into our lives, we are already enrolled in. You know those things that, that you, you... Okay, so let's take Amazon, for instance. When you go to make a purchase on Amazon, and before you head to the checkout, there's always that big screen, and if you just hit OK, you're already enrolled in Amazon Prime. Right? And all of a sudden, $80, $90, $100 comes out of your bank account, and it's charged towards Amazon, and you don't know what happened. That's because you didn't click on the very tiny little piece of text that says, no thanks. <laughs> they get you. Well, this is a good program. With God, this is a good program to be automatically enrolled in. Because here's the thing. God wants to exchange what's going on in our lives for something better. And so today we're going to talk about 
three different experiences that all of us will deal with at some point in time in our lives. We, we cannot escape this. We're human beings. We deal with these things. Worry, hurts, and forgiveness. We, we, could, we could go on forever. There's, there's so many things that God says, if you give it to me, I will take care of you. But I just thought we would look at some, really what some would call like big ones or maybe even crippling ones. But how can we exchange what we're dealing with in life for a promise of God's that will bring a blessing that could change our lives. And so let's take worry. Worry is something that a lot of people deal with. Worry can take over our thoughts. Worry can be as, as, as little as like this minor mental irritation to a crippling fear that keeps us from being productive throughout the day. And, and not only that, but if, if we are one of those that worries, this Christmas season and Thanksgiving and family gatherings, that just, that just compounds everything, right? It makes it worse. I mean, worry has a way of not only affecting us mentally, but it also affects us spiritually and physically as well. You know, when we worry, when we're stressed, that, that puts stress on our physical bodies as well. We're susceptible to get sicker. And sometimes, sometimes we get these aches and pains and we don't know where they came from. And it's the cause of all that worry. So how do we, how do we deal with this? How do we deal with worry when, when this is supposed to be a joyous time of the year? We see everybody else is happy. Everybody else is enjoying the season. And, and we're dealing with anxiety maybe even physical ailments, sleepless nights, and, and maybe we're literally sick with worry. And if we're being honest with ourselves, all of the mental gymnastics and convincing that we do with ourselves is not helping, right? Like how many sleepless nights have you had with worry where you, you were able to worry yourself back to sleep? It doesn't work that way. So here's the thing, the, the first thing, all right, before we even get into how to deal with the worry, what we need to do is we need to get our hearts settled on the fact that God's word breathes truth and life into our spirits, into our minds, and into our bodies. We're a three-part being, spirit, soul, which is our mind, our intellect, and our bodies, and God's word breathes truth and life into all of that. And sometimes we cannot convince ourselves of that, but what we need to do is understand that the fact remains God's word breathes truth and life into our bodies, into our minds, and into our spirits. And so I've picked some, some verses we'll look at today that aren't like some of the big ones that we might be familiar with. I tried to, to go a little bit to kind of dig in some of the ones where you're like, oh, that's way in there. For instance, Psalm 119. If you're familiar with Psalm 119, it's like the longest forever psalm in the world. I picked verse 160. 160. Listen to this. This is what the psalmist says about God. The very essence of your words is truth. 
All of your regulations will stand forever. All of your laws, all of your ways, God. The very essence of your words is truth. See, the word of God is true. That's, that's something that... You, see, if you have trouble dealing with that, then have a conversation with God and ask him to help you get to a place where you can be settled in your heart that what I'm reading in the Bible is the truth. Because the truth is concrete. The truth never changes. If you're not an honest person, you often have many different stories of many different versions of many different things because you have to remember what you said last. But if you stick with the truth, you only have one thing. And the truth never changes. So, so we can say that about God's word. I struggle with this, God, but I need you to help me get to a place where I know this is the truth. And then... In John chapter 6, the Gospel of John chapter 6, this is, they're all my favorites, but this story here is where Jesus is, he starts going deep with theology. And he starts dropping some heavy theological bombs on some people. As a matter of fact, he just flat out gets weird. And if I was like Peter too, like the, like the, the other Peter, you know what I mean? Like, I'd say, Jesus, like you need to ease up on this talk. Because he starts talking, and he says, he talks about eternal life and this and that, and he talks about drinking my blood and eating my flesh. And, and people are like, whoa, hey, this is, he didn't sign up for this. Well, he was talking about the, the, the institute of communion that will happen after he goes. When we, when we take the, partake of the bread, which is symbolic of his broken body, so that ours could be made whole, and when we drink the wine or the juice, which is symbolic of his uh, innocent shed blood that was shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins. But he talks in the literal sense, and it says... Many of his disciples left. They walked away. And he looks at the 12, and he says, are you going to leave me too? And Peter, I think it's in this passage too where I've taken a different approach to how Peter is. Peter isn't this bumbling guy that was always just saying things he didn't know what he was saying. Peter was looking out for Jesus, I think, at all times because he deeply loved Jesus. His life was so radically changed because of Jesus Peter felt like he could have these conversations, like, hey, Jesus, dude, why are you saying this? But in this passage, in this context, he says this. You know, these guys are looking at him like, well, I don't know what to do. And Peter says, Lord, to whom would we go? Where will we go? You have the words that give eternal life. And here, if I meditate on this, here's what I'm thinking. Peter says, Jesus, you just said some pretty whacked out stuff. Like, I don't even, I'm not sure where you're going with it, but I'm going to hang out and find out. You know, like like for me personally, I'm not one to, to, to quickly exit a situation. I would like to ride it through because oftentimes when you ride something through, you come out on the other end and the turbulence is over with, right? And you're actually a better person for it. And I think this might have been Peter's like, listen, Jesus, we have seen too much. 
We have witnessed too much. You drive demons out of people. You heal people. You speak these, these things of the kingdom that we've never heard about. And we know that your words speak of eternal life. Where else would we go? And we'll talk about later what you just said. But right now we're with you. And so I believe, and, and so, so, so there is truth out of these two passages, we can see that there is truth and there is life in the words of God, in the words of Jesus, in the words of this book. So, so that's one of the things that we have to kind of get settled in our hearts before we even start saying, God, please take this worry from me, please take this worry from me. Because then it just turns into these begging type of prayers and nothing really happens from our begging prayers, does it? So we have to get this settled in our hearts first. And even if we struggle with it, just be honest with God. Say, God, I, I really need you to help me understand the life and the truth that is in your word when I'm reading it. Okay? And I believe also, for some in this room, I believe it will take the literal act of, of saying, God, what I'm holding in my hands is the worry that I can't get rid of, and I need you to take it. Just like when you take those socks back to the store and exchange them for the gift cards you're going to get. God, I need you to exchange this. God, if I start read, when I start reading your word, can you give me something that will help me hold on to the truth and the life that I'm asking you to breathe into my body right now, into my spirit? And in this exchange process is when we will begin to realize that when it comes to worry, God is the one that is in control of our lives, not us. Because oftentimes, what is worry? Worry is the fact that we don't have control of a situation. Worry is the fact that if I'm not there, I don't know what's going to happen, I don't know how this is going to play out, and I'm fearing the worst. You can't control what's happening. You're not there. Even if something bad did go happen, it doesn't matter. I'll be there. So you worry about it. Here's a beautiful promise in Isaiah chapter 41. This is what God spoke through the prophet Isaiah. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Yeah. Don't be, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Don't worry about it. I've got you, says God. See, when we exchange worry for peace, peace of mind, we will get to a point to where we no longer fear the outcome of a situation. And our prayers will turn into, God, I'm just asking you to do your thing. Can you help me get settled in my mind that even though I'm not there, I can't do anything about it, and I'm asking you to control the situation? And he will. What, what, what we're doing right now when we do that is it means that we're putting God in control. Not like he needs us to put him in control, but we're getting it settled in our hearts that we can't do anything about it. God, I need you to take care of it just like you always have been. 
I need you, God, to bear this burden that I am carrying myself. And here's the thing. Jesus did a great teaching on worry in Matthew chapter 6, um, the second part of Matthew chapter 6. And in that teaching, it's, it's a fantastic teaching. It's, it's my go-to when I'm stressed and, and thinking that I can control something I can't. But he says... If your father takes care of the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, how much more will he take care of you, mankind, human beings, the very pinnacle of his creation, the ones that he created to have a relationship with? If he cares about those birds and he cares about those flowers, how much more is he going to carry, care about you? And then he says, and my favorite part is, and by the way, how many of you can add an inch to your height by worrying? We'll never worry ourselves out of a situation. So give, give your worries. And did I, I skipped a verse. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, he says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. That's another passage. Listen, Peter says, listen, if you worry, all of you who worry, give those worries to God. Give your cares to God. Because he cares about you. And then in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, this is in, in the Gospel of John, Jesus really does a lot of, of, in that Gospel, we see that he's really trying to set the disciples up for success after he leaves. They don't know what he's talking about when he says, I'm getting ready to go. They don't know that he's going to die this horrific death on the cross. They don't know that he's going to rise from the dead, and he's going to breathe life into everybody who call upon him. They don't know any of this. But here's what he says in John chapter 14. I am leaving you with a gift. It's a good Christmas passage. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. See, this peace that Jesus has for us, we will never be able to find it in the world. The world will never come close to the peace that, God, that Jesus provides. That's why so many people stumble around in, in addictions and in relationships and in financial woes because they're trying to find that peace that they're so unsettled with in their spirit out there when it is Jesus who can offer that. When we give our worries to Jesus, he gives us this gift of peace. And it's a peace unlike anything in the world the world can offer us. And it's a part of this gift exchange program that God has. You give me your worry and I'll exchange it for peace. And it's a supernatural peace that exceeds anything we can understand. When you walk in that supernatural peace that only Jesus can provide, you, you know that, I don't know how I'm getting through this, but I'm going to tell you, Jesus. Oftentimes you hear people say, but God. I, I, I don't know how it happened, but God came through for me once again. And that's a supernatural peace. And sometimes it happens in an instant, and then other times it happens over time. It's something that we, we kind of learn as we go along with Jesus. But when we lean on the promises of God, he will exchange our worry 
for peace. And so sometimes, like I said, if, if, if I'm speaking to you right now, literally, not, not even just picture it in your mind, literally say, God, I, I'm giving this to you. And hold your hands open for the peace that he, you are about to receive. And know that it can be instant and it can be over time. But it will come. Now, let's talk about another one here. This is kind of a tough one, but this is hurts. These are, these are wounds that we carry with us. And here's the deal. With hurts, we can exchange them for a healing. And God will use that. Here's the deal. Here's the deal with this one. When we exchange that hurt for a healing, God will use that healing and the exchange to help others. He will never let a, a situation that we're going through go to waste. It will become a part of our testimony. And our testimony is something that not even the devil himself can take away from us. He can confuse us with all the scripture we know or think we know or help us make us feel inadequate and insecure and, you know, I'm not worthy to share the gospel. I can't do it. I get tongue-tied. He can never take away the testimony that you have in Jesus. He can never take that from you. And so God will use that to help others. But the thing is, when it comes to hurts, this is something that none of us can escape, right? At some point in time or another, we're all going to deal with hurts. We're going to deal with wounds. We're going to deal with, with things that have been done to us. And hurts come in all shapes and sizes. Some of them, we may hear somebody talk about it, and we're like, that is, I don't know why you're so upset about that. Well, because it hurt them. And some people are carrying some of the heaviest burdens internally because they just don't know what else to do with them. There's emotional, there's physical, there's spiritual, there's financial, there's relational. Sometimes a hurt is not something that was done to us, maybe intentionally, Sometimes the hurt is something that was done because of a situation that we were a part of. And sometimes the hurt is something that we did, and we're just like, oh, I really messed that up, and we don't know how to process it. It comes in all shapes and sizes. And then sometimes the hurt becomes a part of who we are. We begin to identify with it. And then what happens is we begin projecting that hurt into other situations and onto other people. Because... We've spoken it into existence that it is a part of who we are. Not dealing with a hurt in a healthy way often causes unhealthy patterns in our life. You know, if, you, if you've heard yourself say, never again will I ever. Never, okay, here's a big one. Never again will I ever go back to church. I've been to three in the past four years, and I'm always getting hurt. Never again am I ever going to get involved in another relationship. They never seem to work out. Never again am I going to another family Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> and maybe you should, no. You know, if you find yourself saying things like that, <clears throat> it's probably not those around you. It's probably something that's happened within you and everywhere you go something happens whether it's a good thing or a bad thing and then it comes out when we have trust issues it's usually a result 
of a hurt. And far too often, it becomes a destructive pattern in our lives. And then we blame the people and the things around us as the cycle continues over and over again. But like I said, in reality is, it's actually us causing the hurt. And we leave in a, in a, in a, in a, in a big cloud of dust saying that we'll never again put ourselves in that situation. Now, I have something in my notes as I was reviewing. It was Friday morning I was reviewing, and I felt like if there's anybody here that what I just said speaks to you, I believe that right now in this moment, God wants to miraculously heal you of that cycle. He, he, miraculously, like right now, in an instant. So what I want to do is I want to just kind of step out of the sermon for a second. I want to ask everybody to close your eyes, and if that pertains to you, I want to just raise your hand real quick. Don't have to hold it up for a long time, but if that pertains to you, okay? Anybody else? Okay, all right. Good for you guys. All right, okay, you can put them down. All right, listen. You can open your eyes now. For those of you that raised your hands, we're going to pray, but as serious as I'm standing right here in front of you, this was meant for you. You came to church today, not because you wanted to, but because God brought you. And maybe you've been coming here every Sunday. Well, God was waiting for today. Maybe this moment right now is why we started our Advent series today. Because if we started it two weeks from now, you wouldn't be here. And I wouldn't have this word. So for those of you that raised your hand, I want you to believe me that I believe that God wants to miraculously heal you of that cycle. Amen? So God, those that raised their hands, I ask right now, I speak it prophetically, and I speak it supernaturally, God, that you would break that cycle. Break that cycle right now. Some of you, it's a curse. It's a curse. We drive it away, we rebuke it in the name of Jesus. And I pray right now, God, that they literally feel your joy, your healing presence, your presence, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, that the healing presence wells up inside of them and there is hope that this cycle ends today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And believe in that. Really. I was just kind of doing a quick review and I had all kinds of other things. And, and listen, I have right here... Listen, stop and pray. So that was for you, and I, and I will be praying for you from here on out. Now, look at this promise that we have, though, in verse one, uh, Psalm 147, verse 3. He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. When we're hurting, we're, we're carrying wounds with us. We're hurting people are wounded. And, and really, some of it is legitimate. I mean, I mean not, I'm not saying none of it is, but... But some of it is like serious wounds that you're, you're carrying through life with you. This promise says God will heal that. And when we hand that hurt and that wound over to God, in exchange, we get a healing. He heals us. He begins bandaging up those wounds. 
He begins putting that, that ointment and that salve and that, that Holy Spirit, uh, what is it that, uh, that, that Jeremiah speaks of? That healing balm. Gideon, is that it? <laughs> he begins to bring healing that only God can do. He heals the brokenhearted. He heals those wounds that we carry with us through life. Something's going on. Are we getting ready to blow or what? <laughs> now listen, here's the thing about this. God can do this in an instant. All right? He can bring healing in an instant. But here's what I think. Amen. 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 Whew. Let's just take a moment and pray for that. Jody, I, I think what you're sensing is, is the very presence of God, the, 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 the very power of God on you. And I just, you know what? I don't even think I have the words. I just want to let the Holy Spirit continue to do what he's doing with you. Amen. Bless that. But listen, it, 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 can, it can happen in an instant, right? But I think that so many people go through life wounded that an instant healing, as much as we want it to be instant, as great as that can be, is not always the best Thing for us. And I'll tell you why. A physical healing, instant, great. Any kind of instant healing, great. But here's what happens. Often what God does is he slowly heals that wound. The initial part of the process can often be a powerful touch from God. Like, like we just, oh, we, we sense the presence of God. And then what happens is he slowly teaches us how to let go of and how to process through that hurt. You see what I'm saying? In an instant, we could forget about it two months from now and be right back where we're at. But there's a lot of stuff that we've got going on mentally and physically and spiritually. And so, so I believe the better part of that would be that we slowly learn how to process that as our Father in heaven teaches us. See what I'm saying? And therefore, we become stronger and better people for it because we use that process and that experience to teach others what God has done for us. See? In the bandaging process, in the healing process, God is slowly healing our mind and our bodies and our spirits with his love, with his kindness, with his grace, with his mercy, with his presence. There is no better feeling in the world. Listen, because I've experienced, there is no better feeling in the world in wondering how is God going to deal with this that I'm looking at and feeling so full of joy on the inside. 
That's the, that's the very presence of God's Holy Spirit seeing you through a tough situation. And then what happens in this process is God is teaching us how to let go of that hurt because he wants to do more than just heal us. He wants to work through us. And this is something that we talked about last week. God is constantly looking. His eyes are constantly looking back and forth, to and fro, the whole earth, looking for those who are available for him to work through, looking for those who show themselves committed to him, looking for those that he can strengthen as he works through them to help others around them. See, this testimony of God's goodness when it comes to healing our past hurts is a powerful display of his grace and healing mercy when a person shares what God has done for them with somebody else. See? And just so you know that these aren't just my thoughts and my words that I think is a good idea for us to do, listen to this in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, starting in verse 2. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. And this is a part of his, the opener of his letter. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father, the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are troubled. We will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. See, God wants to work through us to help others. And when we have a testimony, a powerful testimony of how God brought us out of an area of hurt, especially hurt, woundedness, he will use that testimony to help others. And here in this passage, the Apostle Paul is asking <clears throat> for the grace and peace of Jesus to be upon us. As he is teaching that it is our merciful Father in heaven who is the source of all comfort. The source of all comfort. That alone should give us something that we can just relax in, kind of breathe a little bit. This is a powerful promise that we receive from God. And not only do we receive healing from giving our hurts to God in exchange for something better, we then get to be a part of giving that gift to others through the testimony that God has given us. And that's a powerful thing. You know, there's no better way to step on the devil's head than to share your testimony with somebody else and it takes root in their lives. Because whatever is ailing them, whatever spiritual issues they're dealing with, you've just spoken life into their spirits. And there's, there's demons that flee from that. And, and, and this is also what this passage here is saying in, in, in that we just read. God himself will come alongside us when we are troubled, when we are hurting. 
And then the next thing we know, he brings someone into our life who can speak to that hurt. And they bring relief. How many of you have been hurting in life and all of a sudden, maybe you were in a small group, maybe you were in a church setting, maybe you were just talking to some people, and somebody said, hey, you know what? Can I pray for you? I, I just I feel led to pray for you. And they start to share with you that they themselves know exactly what you're experiencing because they were once there. See, that's how God uses people. And then, here's the thing, then there will be times when you will be the person God works through for the sake of someone else's healing. And you'll walk away from that going, I mean, you, it's, a, it's spiritual. Like, you just feel 10 feet tall and bulletproof. You're just like, and it's not pride or anything like that. It's the infilling of God's Holy Spirit that says, we worked together in helping usher in all the comfort that comes from our merciful Father in heaven. All right, so the last one we're going to look at today is forgiveness. Now, we could spend hours on forgiveness. I just want to kind of touch on it a little bit. But the Bible is is full of passages about forgiveness, all right? Some of us, we can get get hung up on this. And and listen, if if you're hung up on the very fact that, I don't know if I've actually forgiven that person or not. If you're hung up on that, I'm pretty sure you're in a good place. It just means you're concerned. If If you've forgiven them, You've forgiven them. You're in a good spot. But when the disciples said, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? He laid out, what did he give them? What we now call as the Lord's Prayer. And in that prayer, there's a line in there, Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, that says, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That was the one I recited, the trespass, not the debts, as an altar boy. <laughs> and I always be like, trespass against us. Sorry, it's just a memory I have. <laughs> but this was a part of the prayer that Jesus said, listen, ask your father to forgive you and make sure you forgive people around you. It's very important because Freedom is found in forgiveness. And we don't want to go through life not being able to forgive somebody. Now, with that being said, oh, also, and then Ephesians chapter 4, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ Jesus forgave you. When you find it hard to forgive somebody, quickly remind yourself, I ask Jesus to forgive me of all kinds of stupid stuff, and he does. So forgive that person. Just, it's not even, you know what? It's not even worth, for me, I've gotten to a place, it's not even worth holding grudges or feeling ill will about people. It's not worth it. And, but, but, here's the thing, all right? With, with talking about hurts and wounds and things, forgiveness can be a process. And it can take some time. And so we need to, to, sometimes we need to work through that. You know? And I think as long as you're trying to work towards that goal, God, I'm, I'm really trying, Lord. I, as long as you don't find yourself forever saying, I'm really trying, God, but they make it so hard. No, you're not trying at all. 
Just forgive them. Forgive them. And ask God to help you to forgive. All right? But here's the thing. When we invite Jesus into the process of forgiving others, he will help us release that person so that we can walk in the freedom of forgiveness. Because when you can't forgive somebody, guess what? You have bound yourself to that act or to whatever it is it is. And you were over here having all these thoughts about them, and you know what they're doing? Living their life. Don't even care about you. They probably don't even know they offended you. And here you are holding on to it. Just let it go, and you will walk in freedom. But what about the ultimate gift of forgiveness when we invite Jesus into our lives for the first time? Right? Here's the deal. We are in the season of Christmas. This is the time we celebrate the birth of our Savior. Jesus came to the world to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to all mankind. I don't know which is more important, the birth or the death and resurrection, but you can't have the death and resurrection without the birth. So they're both pretty important. But the birth of Jesus and the death of resurrection of Jesus is the crux of our faith, and they're pretty miraculous to say the least. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we actually looked at this last week. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. The moment we invite Jesus into our lives, what is one of the things we say? We say, Jesus, please forgive me of all my sins. And then we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus is the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead. The moment we ask him to forgive us of all of our sins, he no longer counts our sins against us. Past, present, and future. As long as we don't take advantage of that, take it for granted, he no longer counts it against us. That's what this says. And then we have the message of reconciliation to a dying world around us. Jesus is the bridge between, between the Father and we have that message. We help build that bridge. And Jesus wants to work through us as we share our faith, faith with others in the hopes that they will be reconciled to, with God, their creator. The greatest gift exchange a person can ever receive is the exchange of a sinful life for a forgiven life with their creator. That is the best gift exchange that ever happens on this earth in our lifetime. It, it, the Bible even says that the angels marvel at it. The angels are confounded at, at the repentance of a, of a person, how they find this faith in Jesus. Romans chapter 6 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a gift. All of us, at some point or another, had somebody share their faith in Jesus with us, right? That's why we're here. Imagine being a part of somebody else's faith journey. This is the greatest gift a person can receive. And since this is the time of year where we're accustomed to giving and receiving gifts, imagine being a part of that gift for somebody. A simple invite to a church service 
A simple invite to the Christmas concert that we have going on. Yes, it's fun, and we have fun doing it, but it's an evangelistic opportunity. That's why we do it. Or Christmas Eve. Everybody needs a place to go for Christmas Eve. All you got to do is say, hey, you should come to my church for Christmas Eve. Imagine a simple invite, and it alters the direction of somebody's life for eternity. And you played a part. So my challenge for all of us is to go about this Christmas season looking to see what the Father is doing around us and press into that. Is there somebody in your life that you might see the Father is working on and, and, and nudging you to invite them to church, nudging you to share your faith with them? Are there opportunities that you're noticing that you have with a coworker, a family member, a friend, a neighbor, a stranger, where you can share your faith? Because when you sense that, you are noticing that the Father is doing something and he's asking you to join him in that process. So press into that. Press into that life the Father is reconciling to himself by offering the gift of salvation and forgiveness, the greatest gift anybody can ever receive. Amen? So we'll close with this. The greatest gift that God has ever given the world was his son right? And we get to join him in offering that gift to those around us. And in that gift-giving experience, we are enrolled in the greatest gift exchange program that ever was out there. Jesus gave himself for us. So when we worry, we can give that worry to him for peace. When we are hurting, we can give that hurt in exchange for a healing. And when we need forgiveness or we need to forgive others, we can exchange that process of trying to figure it out on our own by inviting Jesus in so that we can walk in the freedom that is found in forgiveness. And so we'll end with this one verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Be joyful, grow to maturity, encourage each other, live in harmony and peace, then the God of love and peace will be with you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. I thank you, God, for who you are and how you move amongst us to bring healing and peace and comfort, God. And as we move into a time of worship, Lord, I just want to invite your presence in so that we can experience what it is you have for us. And if there's any other things other than what we talked about this morning, may we be able to exchange them for a promise of yours, a blessing of yours. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.